You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 632, the quirkiness of the album charts, sending emails during Hamlet, the renaissance of Simple Minds, and Liam Gallagher teams up with John Squire. That's all coming up after the spinners, and it's a shame. It's a shame, the way you mess around with the man. It's a shame. Absolute cracker of a single, co-written mm. by Stevie Wonder, Cyrita mm. and Lee Garrett. Number 14 on Billboard, 20 in the UK from the summer of 1970. The Spinners, and it's a shame. It's brilliant, isn't it? Was that song put by Moni Love or somebody like that? I think I heard that fairly recently. Um, a sort of a more modern version that was that sampled it. There was a sort of a hip-hoppy type thing. Um, I love the original, and I think The Spinners yeah. are just so 
fantastic. They're one of those classic Motown groups when you think of them. Yes, Moni Love, It's a Shame, My Sister, uh, um, for, which was played mm. 1990. I think it was played on Six Music or something the other day. Um, right. I, I seem to associate it with watching Top of the Pops in lockdown, which is probably about right, <laughs> given what year they're on now. But anyway, no, great, great song. Um, I just, I, I love that. I'm not surprised that lovely guitar riff that da, 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 gets, gets sampled all the time. It's really good. Yes, produced by Stevie, of course, as mm. well. Now, I tell you what, they're touring extensively across mm. America from now through to May. But here's the thing. The two longest current spinners, longest serving spinners, joined in 2009. And the other two, 2013 and 2020. Mm. So it's up to you in America how authentic you think that is. Because I mean, this is, this is in danger of becoming the trigger's broom of Motown, it, it, isn't it, 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 really? Is, isn't it, really? Yes, I mean, they've been going since the early 60s, but the longest serving current member joined in 2009. So I don't think that's the spinners. Forgive me. That's, uh, it's quite a tour of duty, isn't it? That? Yeah. And, it's, and, you know, like, like as Andy, Andy Warhol said, every, in the future, everybody will be famous for 15 minutes. Well, surely at some point in the future, in the same way as my generation of young women, all of us waited for our call up papers to the sugar babes at any moment yeah. in time. All of us will be a spinner at some point in the I reckon. And if, if I go to Detroit next week and just mm. sort of hang around long enough, I'll be in the spinners before. Uh, I was going to say, know, pos- possibly long. without even realising, possibly, mm. you know, you'll wake up one day and someone will go, here's your seat. You've got to go on. So, Anxiety dream. Oh, my God. I was going to say, it's even worse than doing a paper you haven't revised for, isn't it? Being in the <laughs> being in the spinners or the Detroit spinners all of a sudden. Welcome to the Parish Council. It's episode 632. I'm Terence Stackham. And once again, scandalously overlooked in the King's New Year's Honours list, it's <laughs> Juliet Harris. I mean, you know, I wouldn't I, I, I wouldn't want to be a member of any club that would have me, etc., etc. <laughs> I'd like a Groucho Award, please. I wouldn't yes. like one well, of those awards. If you get given a, a damehood these days, you have to give it back. Uh, well, exactly. I mean, you know, I've not I've not facilitated the defrauding of anyone, so, uh-huh. so presumably I won't qualify anyway. I yes. don't know. But anyway, um, Dame Juliet Harris um, wouldn't Sounds look as good. good in, well, it wouldn't look as good as. Uh, do you remember Dame Shirley Bassey, one of the ultimate mm. dames, of course, performed at Glastonbury in the legend slot in the yes. late. Would have been two thousand and six, two thousand. I think I remember. Yeah. I think it was. And um, she unfortunately, um, well, she attend- she, she ended up having to, a helicopter had to make a crash landing in, she, in somebody's back garden. She had a cup of tea with them. I seem to remember that. But oh. also she had customised wellies for the occasion <laughs> that were green. <laughs> and in Diamante on the side, yeah. they spelled DSB. And I sometimes feel that DJH is not as classy in Diamante on the side of a welly as DSB. <laughs> so maybe yeah. I need to give back my dame here before I call uh, it. Hello, everybody. In a biff on the nose for the patriarchy. Oh, it's like one of those, yes. Yes, yes, you women. Um, you, yes, you, us you, women you, people, you, you up, women, up women yeah. et cetera, yes had a record year on the UK singles chart uh, for 31 weeks out of 52 female acts topped the chart woohoo mm. for women woo-hoo, yes let's woo-hoo. go girls as the noted woman Shania Twain once sang yes but in the album charts it's all about mm. the old the only uh, this is the um, album chart of the year or throughout the yes. year not, 
the the only newish album to feature in the top 10 of the year was Taylor Swift and that was a re-recording and a repackaging of an album from 2014 so it's not really new at all although um, did, did Midnight's or, or was it was Midnight's not did that not sell physically did that it, only sell sell exactly. downloadishly yes yeah it, it didn't feature and so what else do we find the greatest hits albums from Elton mm. Eminem ABBA Fleetwood Mac so we need to just quickly remind ourselves that 2023 saw new new albums from the Rolling Stones, mm. Ed Sheeran, Louis Capaldi, Blur. None of them made the top 10 of the year. People would rather hear Rocket Man and SOS. Um, the highest placed new album was Louis Capaldi at 14. Yes. So what's going on, Jules? We're clinging to the old. Nobody wants new albums. I think part of the problem is streaming. I mean, it would seem that everybody's listening to more music than they ever have done. But of course, if you only have to pay ten ninety nine a month to your Spotify's or your Apple Music's or your Tidal's or your other music services are presumably available, then Amazon Music, you know, there are all sorts of different mm. options. I don't think does Neil Young's Toberone player exist anymore or not? <laughs> not so sure. what was that? That Good was Poco, one. wasn't yeah, it? Yes. About I, that. yes. I, all, all I can remember for that is that it was shaped like a Toberone. Yes, I can barely remember the name. Yeah. But um, Tidal's the Jay Z service, isn't it? A friend of mine uses yeah. that. The, the music is very good quality and they pay very they pay relatively high amounts per stream compared oh, to everybody else i think which is why my friend uses it but um mm. yeah downloading it would wonder if this is a although there are some young people getting into vinyl and um, we know and i think once again vinyl sales are up again they're at the highest point so, they have yeah. 15 yeah. years or something but i think that a lot of that is being sold to older people personally and i think older people are more inclined to buy old music is my feeling quite a few of whom i think are, re- are replacing records that they've slung out in the first place i read something along the lines of someone said the story of their music buying life was hear an album from your friend that you like, tape it, buy it on vinyl, buy it on CD, sell the the vinyl record at a car boot for £3, buy it again on vinyl 12 years later for £22. And that seems to be the sort of circle of life for many people when it comes to buying music. And so people, apparently, according to recent, and I love all these kind of shadowy organisations of whom we know nothing, as somebody once said, recent figures from... The International Federation of the Phonographic Industry. Was that one of those Jerry Anderson things they used to have on <laughs> with the puppets? And everyone Five, had a uniform. Yes, exactly. Three. With the letters on and there was some shadowy person in the background, a man whose face was all sort of darked out. Probably um, wearing a monocle. Yes, indeed. And wearing a different kind of jumpsuit to everybody else. Yes. That's how you knew he was evil. Anyway, according to these shadowy people of whom we know nothing, apparently we, as in the general public we, you and I might have listened to more than this i suspect but anyway the average person listened to 20.7 hours of music each week apparently up from 20.1 hours in 2022 so that's the equivalent of listening to an additional 13 three minute songs per week or listening to an an extra album a week if you want to assess things by sort of average which is interesting but there's there's this telegraph article which makes a really good point i think which is the more music we listen to the more it's in danger of becoming passive listening. It becomes about wallpaper. There were albums that I listened to endlessly last year, like endlessly. I've got albums that I listened to maybe 20, you know, maybe four times a week all year. The reason I listen to them is that I need something on in the background to do work to, like drafting leases, doing legal work. And I've got to have albums that I've stopped listening to. 
that I know really well, but that I don't really hear them anymore. So the Fox Bass Alpha by St. Etienne, I listened to three times a week all year last year. It's a lovely album. I love it. But I just have it on in the background because I know that album so well. A couple of PJ Harvey albums. Comforting as well, I should think. And and lovely, yes, because I know I'm going to like it. But I've chosen to listen to that for reasons that are good and bad. Good because I love them. And and like you say, I find them I find comfort in the familiar, but also bad in that I'm listening to the same things. Mm. I'm not listening to new things. It's become a habit that I've listened to because I want to get work done, and I just think, well, I can't have something that's too interesting. Occasionally, I can listen to Os. I mean, the most I can do is Oscar Peterson albums I've not heard before on YouTube from Japan. Mm. That's that's mostly <laughs> the oddest that it goes. And also, the streaming platforms and their algorithms that we've talked about before, they can sometimes be really good in that they give you um they give you things that you might not heard before so they'll go if you like this you'll like this and if i listen to stuff that's out of my comfort zone that's really good because i get to hear different things spotify is particularly good at this i think it's not so good if you're listening to very mainstream i don't want to say middle of the road mainstream Hmm. established stuff for example if you enjoy fleetwood matt's little lies you'd love landslide and you know sometimes you know the, the, the less out there you are on your listening the more that the algorithms will push you to become really mainstream and really sort of like the big temp pole albums of the 70s for example so you know i love rumors i love what's going on i love tapestry i love all those big records but you know i it will keep playing them at me if i listen to one of those albums on spotify because i've heard it a thousand times before it will then give me other stuff i've heard another thousand times before so you end up trapped in what the telegraph describes beautifully here as a musical echo chamber of our own making thus sending those artists further up the charts and of course the charts are increasingly nonsensical and meaningless because they're only because there is there isn't as much weight given to to streaming as physical sales but given there are very few physical sales now the charts in Britain become a bit of a sort of a, a nonsense from the second week of November now because they're just full of Christmas songs as we've said previously and um and also we end up with um with domination from particular artists beyond how it would have been. So I know that the Beatles would always sell, you know, their albums would sell well every year and they'd release an album every year and that sort of thing. Um, five of last year's top 20 albums were all by Taylor Swift. Cool. Wow. And, and, you know, and you end up with like, artists with i think taylor swift broke that record of of, of all 10 songs in the top 10 were hers mm. um due to script and i have nothing against taylor swift we've talked about it before i think she's very mm. talented but you just end up and squeezing out of new artists this is uh, this is only gonna this, i feel like we're kind of going into a taper here because because the more that you squeeze out people underneath the less people there are likely to come up through to be the Fleetwood Mac of their generation, for example. It's it's seeing really it and and, yeah. the, and the, we talked previously about the fact that the the continued closure of grassroots venues and I've always been a big voice against this being a good thing. Um, over last year, 125 grassroots venues either closed or stopped putting on live music Whoa. in the UK, which is 16%, so one-sixth of all such spaces in the UK. And if you want to put numbers on that, at the cost of 14,250 concerts, £9 million worth of income for musicians and 4,000 jobs. And those people that are losing their jobs, that are losing the opportunities in music, 
it's not Fleetwood Mac. It's not Coldplay. It's not those no, people. It's, it's the sad. bands that may have become those those mm. bands, and we might not know, and that's tragic. I think it is. It is. Um, we're mentioning that the the twenty twenty three uh, album chart top ten. We were saying it's dominated by old material. <clears throat> Excuse me, and in particular greatest hits compilations mm. um, we said out john abba fleetwood back m&m and you know i think this is perfectly natural i'm quite mm. i'm quite fine with this because one of the best things to come out of napster and file sharing was the knock-on effect to itunes and now streaming in that you no longer went out and bought an album or on cd um after hearing one great track maybe on the radio mm. only to find that the what that one track was the only good track on it and was accompanied by 11 tracks you'd never play again and so tracks becoming available for purchasing or streaming on an individual ba- basis i think that's a great breakthrough there are I'm, I'm open to be challenged on this but I think there are virtually no albums ever that we don't skip <laughs> at least one track. You know, sometimes I, several. I always enjoy your massively overreaching, overarching grand theatres. I always think they're brilliant. I, you remind me, Sir T, only on this occasion, of course, mm. of the great Alan Partridge, who said that his, his favourite album like of all time... Well, he said his favourite album of all time Beatles. was the best of the Beatles. I, so, and you know, so... <laughs> I think there's something to it. No, I'm with him because we hate for compilations, greatest hits, often often maligned as not for true supporters of artists, as you say. But, you know, I'm all for them, Jules, because they contain all killer and no filler. And well, yes, even I... if you're the greatest fan of the Beatles, nobody can't tell me that on, let's say, the White <laughs> Album, there are yes. tra- I mean there that must be that's a particularly skip. vexatious example, I think. But yes, Octopus's garden. Yellow well, my instant and thought was that naturally. God, poor old Ringo gets a bad rap, doesn't he? Anyway, so yes, okay. I, 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 I for me, I think okay, I can meet you halfway on this. Mm. I think in that I think that the greatest hits. I really like their accessibility actually yeah. because I think they're a great. I don't necessarily see them as as the end. I see them as a great gateway, particularly for younger people and people unfamiliar with artists. And I hate the snobbery of certain kind of people in the music industry, or journalists, or all sorts of people in different entry points mm. of the music industry, who assume that everybody had really cool parents when they were growing up that played them all sort of Memphis blues and the Beatles and all this kind of stuff. And I know people that have really good taste in music that have massive gaps because they just didn't hear stuff. Mm from their parents if their parents didn't like it and they and 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 who particularly um grew up in the era which was the pre-streaming era when it was actually not very easy at all to get hold of all of these you know just to listen to Fleetwood Mac on Spotify so you were very much dependent upon what you either heard at home or what you could borrow off your friends so as as a as a kind of a, a class unifier I really like greatest hits albums having said that though that my sort of counterfactual to this is um interestingly I know that that perhaps it was different then because the singles market was such a bigger market and so it had so much more importance compared to to perhaps where we are now in terms of the charts the reasons that we've just discussed but I always think about these about these singles where about these songs and greatest hits where did they come from in the first place um they were released as singles yes they were and they've all been gathered together but quite often they were released to flog an album quite often they were released on albums they didn't necessarily just all be released as as singles so part of me thinks that they hadn't released the albums in the first place 
there must have been some viability to releasing albums as a product at the time. Otherwise, everybody would have just released singles and nobody would have released an album. So part hmm. of me thinks, you know. Well, I just want to make one more contentious we, uh, point. In the past about shutting small venues. It's like, oh, go on. I do like a contentious point. Yeah, I just want to make a contentious point about that and just see what you think. It just, there's okay, there's so many artists that struggle I think with individual albums, you see, you know, I take your point about singles being released as a, as a feeder for the album, mm. but maybe that album's no good. So they struggle with individual albums, but can put together top notch compilations of one or two tracks from each of those albums to create this great collection. And I'm going to name some names. And I think some people are going to be really annoyed with me and say, Oh, you're oh, dissing my Go on, band. Sir Terrence. I think these artists do not have great albums but they have great greatest hit albums the okay, cure Madonna. Well, you see, you see, you, you, you've said this te- uh, you've said this kind of terribly text. controversial point before yes the, the cure madonna hall and oats the doors prince springsteen the pretenders they're the ones i jotted down just before well, that's, all that's the veteran greatest hits compilations than filler filled regular albums well you know, there are some some of their albums are better than others. I think Ray of Light by Madonna is an, is a is a perfect album. Actually, I I I would agree. I, I I would argue that. But yes, I can see the point you are making, Sati. Having said that, we could come up with lots of other artists who, like the Beatles, for example, who have made so many fantastic songs and album tracks as well. I guess I know that we have the old Octopus's Garden here and there, <laughs> but who have made so many great tracks that they have to have many different compilation albums and greatest oh, hits in order to you know in order to, to to accommodate them so actually yes there are some people like that but you know we've got the beatles we've got the rolling stones we've got pink floyd we've got fleetwood mac the mighty maxes themselves um carol king marvin gay there are lots of people who have made amazing albums having they said that made one or two great albums you say one-offs i totally agree with that i think the beatles have made a few more than that but, i, I um, think we all always have to do betting without the Beatles because yes, I okay, agree with you fine, yes, that, you know, yes, they are in a stratosphere of their own. I totally yes, I think that, that. That, is, that is probably true. Well, having said that, though, greatest hits are quite good. All the time, we, people still have cars with CD players in them. Greatest hits are very good for that purpose mm. when you're just driving along, listening to all the bangers. Well, coming next, mm. we, we revisit audience behaviour and we take a look at the albums being auctioned by the BBC. Mm. That's right after, for darts fans all around the world, <laughs> Planet Funk.
I recently became embroiled in watching the darts championships, the PDC World Darts Championships, because I've always really liked darts and I always enjoy watching it on TV. I play it occasionally. I'm not great, but I quite enjoy playing. But um, two men that, whose fortune I followed this year, Hastings Rob Cross, who um, who, who rather lives in St. Leonard's. He wasn't born here, but he, he's lived here for many years and he's very much one of Hastings' own. Um, and, of course, Luke Littler, everyone's favourite, prematurely aged 16-year-old who who, <laughs> who went on this incredible run, Life is Hard in Warrington, etc. But he was he was absolutely brilliant. And, um, and I even bought a day pass for Sky Sports or Now Sports or whatever it is now. Um, and one thing that really surprised me, I've always enjoyed the boisterous behaviour of darts fans in, 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 a, in, a, in, in a confined mm. space. I did not understand why darts fans have got so into this. They all sang along to this. They sang different words to this. It's an excellent trance <laughs> album, which dates from my time at sixth form college. Um, did not see this even more improbable than darts fans singing about the Touré brothers to the tune of No Limit by um, by uh, by no, Two Unlimited. Um, Yolo Kaya, Yolo Yolo Kala, Yolo Touré, etc. Um, it just. <laughs> Just, you know, the, the incredible wit of sports fans who may come across as quite boorish, but have a very unique sense of humour. I very And I enjoyed the tune anyway. I thought it was a great tune. And that was somewhat improbable dance album, Chase the Sun by Planet Funk. You know how every year this country goes nuts for tennis during Wimbledon fortnight and then forgets yes. about it for another 11 and a half months. I wonder if the same fate awaits young Luke Littler with the darts. Yes, I really hope that he does go on to um does go on to a career, although I have to I admire the darts very much in being mm. clever enough to think, do you know what? Um uh, you know, he's done quite well. Let's mm. put him in the eight player Premier League that play every week. Let's just put him yes. in now because everybody's really into this and you think, God, that is really clever marketing. That, isn't that it? was a good move, yeah. In recent um in recent years we've highlighted uh, an ever-growing litany of terrible audience behaviour in theatres. Oh, no. We had, <laughs> oh, well, no. We, we had Pink last summer, didn't we, in Hyde Park, being left speechless when a, a fan threw, threw their um, mother's ashes onto the stage. Did someone throw a wheel of cheese at somebody? Next well, day, someone free, handed yes. Pink a, a giant wheel of cheese, yes, <laughs> which she tucked under her arm and carried on, indeed. I mean, good for her. That is a trooper. It was. And we've often spoken about the increasing challenge of the lack of concern of gig goers towards their fellow audience members, maybe dancing wildly with drinks flying everywhere Mm. and to the incessant chatter at even quiet acoustic gigs. But this week, Jules, a new example, the actor Andrew Scott pausing his performance of Hamlet at the Almeida Theatre in London, as he noticed a man in the stalls hammering away, sending emails on a laptop. I mean, I meant to, this is the bit in the podcast where you explain a story and then I have to have something to say about it. Words fail me on this, Sir Terence. Running just, a business from the stalls of a theatre. I mean, I get that we ha- we live in a world of agile working, and I'm very pleased that, you know, that COVID and lockdown, etc., have opened up the possibilities of Zoom and Skype, without which we would not be able to do this podcast, obviously. So I'm very much in favour of being, to do, being able to do hmm. things from wherever you want to. Is the stalls of Hamlet the time? He had to break <laughs> off to be or not to be in order to have a go at this bloke. I mean, it's not ideal, is it really? I mean, I'm a big fan of doing emails in front of the TV sometimes. I've got some particularly boring admin I have to do. Hmm. Just, you know, 
pop the telly on for a bit. I wouldn't do that if someone was performing in front of me. If the telly people were in my front room, I wouldn't do emails in front of them. No. I don't. I somehow feel that's not that's not um that's not cricket really. No, I mean, as as the as well, the in terms of the guy sending emails on a laptop, I think the Guardian. How how he, urgent can it be? What is it that? How is it so urgent? If it's that urgent. You might have Don't to accept that you might not be able to see Hamlet that night. Yes. You might have to see it another time. I thought the Guardian put it brilliantly. They said uh, about the emails to BCC or not BCC, oh, which I thought was terrific. Oh, that is no, marvellous. We, we, yes. we, we had the women attending the Bodyguard musical in Manchester last year. Oh, God, they, yes. they, they had to be removed by the police because they wouldn't stop screeching along to I Will Always Love You. And we, we've had in the past, <laughs> but some responsibility for this onto lockdown and you kind of mentioned it yes. there with you're doing your emails in front of your telly where people when when people re-emerged into public they forgot they were no longer slouching on their sofas Indeed, at home but this, this incident apparently occurred in 2017 the emails incident it, yeah apparently so he only related it last week that's right so it's it's the incident isn't new him relating it uh is new but um yeah there's there's definitely some holes being punched in the unwritten contract Contract. We we kind of figuratively mm. sign with actors or performances, say that, <laughs> which says that they perform and we behave according to sort of unwritten rules, and we all leave happy. And those those uncharted rules are breaking down. I think but so. Yes. I think that there is another side to this, George, which I just want to get your view on. Go on. Yeah. Of course, we have to be careful drawing up these lines of etiquette mm. because if we make theatre or gig going seem like going to school then people simply won't go. So we want people to go to gigs mm. in the theatre, but we need them to behave within certain boundaries. And my problem is I'm not sure that genie can be squeezed back into the No, box. I'm inclined to agree. And I think also sometimes, and I think I like this trend, and I know this is probably a slightly different point, but I, I enjoyed this trend in recent years of for some people that would like to go and enjoy the cinema, for people that, for example, have sort of neurodiversity needs that can be quite a difficult thing their sort of way of behaving but for generally neurodiverse people not just you know quote unquote rude people but people that that you know experience life in a, in a slightly different way mm. um there have been quite a lot of um there's a, there's a sort of a trend towards what they call relaxed screenings at the cinema or oh, relaxed yeah. performances which allow people that might have attention difficulties or or you know or, or, or might you know might find aspects of a long performance difficult the opportunity to move around and it doesn't matter if people might express themselves in a non-verbal way or they might be noise or something like that i think things like that are really good and really inclusive actually and there is always this struggle over I always struggle thinking about you know is segregation you know is is it segregating people like that is it is it not good to, to be like that does it sort of discourage it you know does it discourage tolerance um and I'm inclined to think that, that, you know, the mainstream should be able to accommodate most people. But sometimes I think that actually, because I, I I went with a friend of mine and her neurodiverse child to a screening once, and we had a great time. And the reason she said afterwards, I had a great time with my kids for the first time in God knows how long, because I didn't have to worry about anybody complaining about my kid being a bit noisy or perhaps being being a little bit distracted in the cinema because everyone was like it. I mean, but I had a great that's time. That's a separate thing. That's, I'm yes, all in favour of that, I'm just, but I'm talking about yes. boorish 
drunk yes, people. I know, I know, and I did say it was it was a slightly different mm. point, but I but but the point I'm making is something like that is great, but but you should only really have those things for people that are neurodiverse that have mm. additional needs, not for people that that right, you know that, right. that don't really. And sometimes it can be a difficult distinction to make. I do want to make that point. Having said that, though, I think that relaxed screenings for that sort of thing are the way to go. So some of this behaviour is sometimes Gotcha. Not deliberately obnoxious, yeah. but some Definitely. of it, some of it varies, I think. Yeah. And, and so I, I'm I'm with you on this in the in the I I like I love the idea of diversity and inclusion and relaxed screenings mm. and things like that. I think they're absolutely brilliant. Um, but having said that, I also want want you know I don't think it's wrong to expect reasonable standards of behaviour from people. But like you say, very difficult to put that genie back in the bottle. Yeah, really There's a story this week that I thought really hadn't received a huge amount of attention mm. and that is that the BBC is auctioning off 285,000 vinyl albums mm. so vast is this collection that auctions are taking place over the next 18 months mm. now 400 lots are up for sale on the 30th of January uh, two couple, three weeks on from where we are now uh, as we record this Jules, I want to know if can I can tempt you with any of these. Um, there's a 13-album package of jazz and blues from John Coltrane to um, Lala Schifrin. Uh, mm. Current bid, 80 quid. Um, there's several prog, prog rock packages, which no bids have been received when I looked earlier today. Estimates, 150 to 200 quid, which I think may be ambitious. But how about this? I've got a special one for you. I found you a six-pack of the Beatles' Please, Please Me mm. albums, all notated from the BBC library, current bid, 80 quid. I mean, any of those any good for you? I've got a bid on the jazz lot, actually, and Have I've also you? and I've also got a bid on two stacks lots as well. So well, um, I am very interested. You're welcome in to this. Well, before you sent me the um, the the menu for this week, yeah. um, I was on Facebook and I had targeted advertising of this Omega Auctions uh, auction to me. Strange. It was they they must have been very clever in where they were targeting because mm. we were in bed on Sunday morning and I said, oh, there's an auction <laughs> on. And we started looking and we we were just like, so So what's so interesting about this is there aren't just uh, sort of lots with, with sort of vinyl, though the vinyl is just jaw dropping, really. Mm. Um, I think I think there's the, you know, the, the, and they're really reasonable. They're estimates. They are. Right? This, certainly think, at this, this point in time, they are. Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, and they're within estimate at the moment. Mm. I mean, who knows what will happen in the end? Um the uh yeah i mean it's just fantastic the stacked packs are really good there's some great stuff but also there's some very interesting memorabilia for sale at the same time i mean we we had a a reason we had a bit of a conversation actually about whether or not we would have somewhere to put the bbc collection of original bbc cutlery and serving trays or the (laughs) bbc collection bbc serving tray and tea set s current bid 75 pounds the cutlery and serving trays current bid 55 pounds we we gave that some thought as to whether we could put that somewhere in, mm. in, in someone's place. I thought that sounded fantastic. These, I think, are really good. And yes, you know they're not going to be in the world's greatest condition.
conversation and they're fairly open about that. But what well, as I said, the serving tray and uh, cutlery looked like I it's mean, seen better days. It has I to mean, be it did look almost boot sale of standard, yes. but the idea that it's been used in the BBC, who's mm. drunk out of that? Morecambe and Wise may have had exactly. a cup of tea from those very cups. Absolutely. So there's uh, so looking at this, I mean, I haven't been through I've only seen the first 200 lots and I stopped because I sensed I might go bankrupt if I didn't stop <laughs> looking at those at those things. It's it's this is so accessible. I absolutely love this. I think it's so great. Um obviously we did look and laugh at the six different versions. I mean even I um the please please me LP pressings pack lock 52 current bid 260 pounds so I suspect that is Ooh, going Oh it's to, gone up since I, when I looked yes, it was 80 that, quid how much 260 for six Whoa. of the same record. Oh that's um cool. there are some um there are some records that are incredibly like some of the particularly out there psychs. So Demon Fuzz, Africa, um, current bid £280, which is above <laughs> the estimate of 200 250 So let's see. Might be that it might be best to get your bulk buys. Although having said that, Lot 60, Caravan, LP pack, three albums by Caravan, estimate 100 to 150 current bid 160 So I think it's going to be the prog stuff that's really going to fly because it's that kind of audience, I think. Um, but there's so many interesting things here that you just I think what a great idea for them to for them to do this. It's it's if they're not going to do this as like a sort of a um, if they're not going to do this as like a sort of a museum or something. What a great opportunity to own a little bit of history there and, and at a reasonable price. I mean, who knows, as you say, these may yet these may yet sort of climb up through the yes. echelons. But um, there's, um, there's there's and the, the range of stuff that is here. The fact that that you flick through two tabs and you go from the classical Columbus Sax LP rarities to a, a pack of caravan LPs <laughs> to some stack stuff to some Decca classical recordings. Um and then if you, you keep looking through again, you've got loads of Columbia stuff. It's just, it's mm. such a treasure trove. Everyone have a look. Um, it just looks absolutely brilliant. I, I've got a few bids on things which may or may not come off. Oh, but I'm too. just so, and, and one of the lots, the Stacks lot, which I am bidding on, has got Mr. Big Stuff LP by Gene Knight, of whom we yes, spoke the other week. That. So, yes, um, yes. which has got, you know, the Barcase, Stable Singers, Isaac Hayes. It's incredible. It's really incredible, this. It's quite the thing. If you uh, if you want to have a look at it, uh, just really Google Omega O M E G A auctions. Yes, and um, maybe put BBC in the in the search box as well. Take you straight Absolutely to it. Absolutely incredible. The, the, the one thing we're not told in the publicity about this BBC mm. auction is why they're doing yes. it. I mean, is it simply... Yes, that's a, that's a fair question, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, is it clearing up to create space, or are times becoming so increasingly hard? Mm. I mean, it, it must be difficult keeping up with those managers on the six-figure salaries <laughs> and so many middle managers so many pension funds and I also suppose. and also perhaps perhaps less cynically although i am very much with you on this point yes. um space as well i think a lot space of the bbc home. properties have been sold off there was talk of them junking made a veil wasn't there at one yeah, point it was, yes. where the hell do you keep all this stuff that yeah. isn't being used anymore really not realistically is it and and yes it's 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 you know great in a piece of history but also are there really 29,000 pieces of history that absolutely have to be maintained and retained by the BBC there? 
probably not with the best yes. will in the world so um so yeah it'd be interesting to see this is just the first wave isn't it so what it is, it's going on for see? 18 months yeah i mean i can't wait i can't wait to terrence <laughs> i will be bankrupt by the end you of will. it but what a record collection i'll have what's next i'll tell you what's next it's the renaissance of simple minds and the new collaboration between liam gallagher and john squire mm. and that's all after simple minds Channel.
recent um, publicity about Simple Minds as a documentary and a huge tour led me to go back and check their discography. And I was reminded how incredibly successful they are. I mean, so many hit singles and albums. Their last album, which was only 14 months ago um, it was released, reached number four in the UK. Mm. But there we heard from 1982, number 16 in the UK, Simple Minds and Glittering Prize. I was going to say, don't you forget about them, but we can go on to talk about this because, of course, they've been remembered largely for that song, which is not hugely representative of some of their earlier output, particularly sort of New Gold Dream and that sort of thing. It's, um, yeah, they're one of those bands, and we will go on to talk about them at Mm. length, but who I kind of slightly dismissed as a sort of boring stadium rock band on the basis of Don't You Forget About Me, which is a great song, but which... I seem to grow up hearing that constantly on the radio, like absolutely (laughs) constantly to the point where at one point the introductions of that don't speak by no doubt and um, torn by Natalie and Brudia. If they started on our local radio station, I would just sigh so <laughs> deeply and just go and, and badger for whoever it was in charge of the radio, if it wasn't me, to turn over. Just so sick of them being like, and the, the beginning of Karma Chameleon as well, like all oh, of those songs, which starting you just think you can hear them too. Oh, exactly, yes. And yeah. so, so, so actually, yeah. there's much. Uh, Simple Minds early stuff is really very interesting and really very different. And I, 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 I was wrong to criticize them for as long as I did. But before we go into Simple Minds, mm. Jules, I have a one-question quiz for you and the listener, go which on. you didn't know was coming. It yes, will okay, let's go. probably let's include guesswork, so it's multiple right. choice. Okay, let's try. The great one-question Simple Minds quiz. Mm. As we know, Jim Kerr is the lead singer with Simple Minds. Mm. But who did he sit next to all through school secondary school who did Jim Kerr sit next to all through secondary school I'm going to give you four choices oh go on then go on then was it Charlene Spiteri from Mm. the group Texas former Spurs and Manchester United striker now broadcaster Alan Brazil former leader of the Scottish National Party Nicola Sturgeon or TV presenter and national treasure Lorraine Kelly I'm going to go for Lorraine Kelly it was Alan Brazil. Was it? I do think that having seen photographs recently, Jim Kerr has worn considerably better. Yes. I ruled out Alan Brazil because I thought he was much older. Same age. Holly Rood Secondary School. Charlie Birchall from Simple Minds was in the same class as well. Sat just Excellent. behind them. Um, Fran Healy from Travis was there. Mm. And amazingly, Frankie Boyle, controversial Goodness comedian. Goodness me. Wow. And speaking of this, um, Jim Kerr says Alan Brazil was considered posh at school because his family had a garden. Everybody else had a yard. Mm. Goodness me. Jim Kerr and Alan Brazil sitting next to each other. Didn't you never knew? That's genuinely mm-hmm. interesting. Thank you, okay. Sir T. Good quiz question. You can steal that if you oh, want. Oh, yes, I, sh- I can and will. Store that one up. I, I've always had a I've always had a soft spot for Simple Minds. I I, I love that. You, you know, you're talking about the early days. I love that run of grandiose singles, mm. which is sort of 
Sophistipop. It's somewhere between Glasgow pubs and stadium rock, as you mentioned. And also, I bless the internet because these days you can look up the lyrics because 40 years ago, I had no idea what Jim Kerr was singing about. Unless it got published in Smash Hits in those little lyric cards (laughs) that they used to give sometimes. Uh, Or on the album sleeve. You see, that's where having it. Ah, okay. But if you just turn it on the radio, you thought, what the blazes? Yes, that that was tricky. Uh, so the, a new documentary out about Simple Minds, which is is, is coming out very soon. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And they've got a worldwide tour, which is absolutely just really when you say a worldwide tour, mm. this is tour. This really is a global wide experience. So, yeah, George, so we were saying yeah, a rebirth for Simple Minds. Yeah, very much so. And actually, it will be good to remind people like me that they are very much a, a somebody worth getting into. Um, there was um, there was a, 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 a documentary about Scottish music, I think, on, on I think it was on BBC Scotland. And I think it might have been called New Gold Dream. And um, oh, I'd love it, to see that. Yes, it was really good. I think because um, it started off sort of and it talked about postcard records and and that kind of stuff and it was it was really interesting and we watched it by accident um, a few years ago just before lockdown um, because it um it it we had the TV on BBC we had the, we thought we were watching BBC One and we were watching BBC Scotland instead um, for reasons I, the, the this TV signal was not good I think so we might possibly have been knocked off onto it we weren't in Scotland can I point out we were we were on the south coast of England at mm. the time I mean we get French radio quite a lot for no reason oh, I wasn't right. expecting to get Scottish TV but anyway we thoroughly enjoyed it it was very good and it talked a lot of and I realised that. Um, the the um what they're called the simple minds ended up they started off in in the sort of the alternative scene the stadium sort of bombast was very much later oh, on they were there. John Peel stuff I mean yes, John Peel was which a I hadn't huge realized. supporter yeah. I really yeah. hadn't realized because I grew up in the slipstream because mm. I was born in eighty four I grew up in the in the slipstream of all of the kind of widescreen breakfast club ballads I I mm. didn't grow up in that kind of era at all and I'd always slightly dismiss them as a result and the fault very much mine. I mean, I mean, forgive me, everybody, for this, but Simple Minds really another band for whom the greatest hits package was invented. Because I yes. listened during the week, this uh, I've picked up on um, mm. an album called Forty, the best of Simple Minds, nineteen seventy nine yes. to twenty nineteen, winner after winner. I really loved listening to it uh, during the week. Mm. Now, with another year gone. And no reunion of Oasis. We find we have what could possibly be the next best thing. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Liam Gallagher teaming up with John Squire of the Stone Roses, an album on the way and live shows, apparently. Gallagher says the album will be the best record since the Beatles' Revolver, but of course, <laughs> he would say that. He would, wouldn't he? Wouldn't he? Yes, indeed. Um, Jules, you've had a chance to listen to the first track released Liam Gallagher and John Squire and Just Another Rainbow. Any good? Oh, Terence, oh, I was God. so bored by this. Oh, I just, you know, I was the biggest Britpopper going. I loved Britpop. I loved the Stone Roses. I loved Oasis. I really liked John Squire's post-Stone Roses project, The Seahorses. You know, I yes. kept my, my eye in with Oasis. I quite enjoyed BDI, Liam Gallagher's venture after that. The stuff of his solo stuff I've heard has not been bad. I heard this. And to me... It just sounded like 
you remember Stars on 45 that used to do <laughs> mega mixes of things? I, I, I basically, every 30 seconds, I, it sounded like a different Oasis or Stone Roses song that I'd already heard. And I'm really sorry to say this because I really wanted to like this. I am an approver. It is the music of my youth. But the problem, the problem is, Sir Terence, I'm not young anymore. I listen to a much wider palette of music than I did when I was 15 or 16. And as a result of which... I had heard it before, I'm afraid. I, I and and as I said, apart remarked in passing to someone the other day, I am delighted for the 51-year-old men with feather cuts in Fred Perry tops who will love this. This is for them. I thought this was for me as well because spiritually, that's very much where I am in terms of fashion nowadays. I'm leaning into the the 80s football casual for a new year, but. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it was rubbish at all. It wasn't bad. I didn't think, oh, this is pants. He can't sing, blah, blah, blah. It was perfectly reasonable for the kind of music they make. And that is the problem with it to me. It had nothing that I hadn't heard already. See, the heard it before thing, I thought it was a great bonus to me because mm, okay, it, fair sound, enough. it sounded like a mashup between Oasis, the Stone Roses, the Beatles, the Stones and the Who. And I thought, oh, this is this is this is great. I and, like this. Yes. You know, um, we are dying. We are absolutely opposite ends here because you know how you were describing a few minutes ago, like, oh, here's Karma Chameleon. Let's turn the volume down. I, I absolutely love Just Another Rainbow because it makes me want to reach to turn the volume up which is always a good sign for me i thought it was a superb production by greg kirsten and um i'm really looking forward to hearing more from them i thought it's just sounded great and probably for all the reasons that you described Describe because it really does sound like everything that you've ever heard before from the 60s, from from Modland, from yes, the Beatles, from I Oasis. I suppose so. I mean, I guess the thing is, is that I'm happy to enjoy music of that has already been made. Do you know what I, I was thinking? A story that we covered previously on the podcast mm. without you realising how personally I was connected to it. Do you remember our friends in Breezer who made an album called oh, AI Sis? And yes, they and they and used really they used good, AI yes. and it was probably better than Oasis. Yes. And it turns out I'd been at Sixth Form College with the drummer. Yes, um and, and, and who I then saw on the train, um, and who had having never listened to our podcast before, started in texting me about it. A very nice man. Hi John, if you're still listening. But um I think the problem is, is that that's rather not the shine off this for me, because it turns out, Sati, it's not very hard to sound like Oasis, is it? These these young lads in Breeza sounded fantastic, and it and it you know it felt a bit like a paint by numbers kit to me really um and i yeah, i mean I, could, I wanted you see yes, okay, i wanted fair enough, i wanted fair a enough. blend and, I, of, and I'm, uh, I'm not criticizing yeah. you know i i i think i i enjoy other people enjoying things i am long past my indie snobbery stage <laughs> it's just that is my opinion i won't listen to this again do you know what i'd like to do said he I'll put definitely maybe on. That's a great album. And, <laughs> and you know, and if I want new things, I yeah. love listening to new music. I hear loads of stuff on Six Music I love that sounds new and it sounds different and it sounds like a new experience. And if I want the comfort food of Oasis, I mean, I just bought a four CD mod box set called Into <laughs> Tomorrow, 1982 to 2000 at Christmas. It's great. I love it. Um, It was produced then. And I just think, well, if you're going to new stuff, 
there's loads of old stuff. Just make some new stuff that sounds new, you, is my view. Yeah. But anyway, I'm glad that there were lots of people that will really enjoy this and be excited about this. And I'm pleased for them. I just I just think I'm so tired, Terence. Just give me new you. things or give me the new the, the same old things. I, the new old stuff seems a bit of a bizarre mix to me. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening this week. Always good to have you there. Many big thank. Happy New Year. Thanks for being back with us. And uh, Jules, a timely seasonal mm. track from the Breeders to play us out. Indeed. I couldn't decide. I nearly went with ABBA on this, but I just oh, thought, you know yes. what? I know which would have been nice, but no, no, no. I, I love... I love the Breeders, and I think Last Splash is, is probably, that might soon make it onto my albums I love so much I can listen to them all day when I'm working. I just, mm. I love this. Um, and I think we talked previously on the pod about um, Tim Burgess's lovely album listening parties oh, that yeah. he did in, in the first sort of the first waves of lockdown and how good they were. I very much enjoyed the Last Splash one, not least because most of the breeders liked my tweets about it, which is very nice. So, um, so I love this album. It reminds me of my pal new. I, I, you know, so many great things on this, and um, I will pick this from this album because it seems apt. Happy New Year to all of our, all of our listeners, all of our pals and friends of the podcast. This is the breeders from Last Splash, and this is New Year. listening to a Parish Council production.